This is Comic Picks by The Glick. And again, I am your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason. Yeah. And this week, I don't have a particular theme to talk about to anyone. It's just, again, what I... What about the comic shop this week? And this this week, I'm going to do approximately three um, volumes of comics. Two of which have to be series I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. One of them being Thunderbolts. Uh, Thunderbolts. Uh, who did this one? Yes, this is... I originally talked about Thunderbolts in part of my Warren Ellis podcast. Yes. And yeah, it's like I... No, it's the I Warren Ellis, right? Yes, I... Yeah, I know. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. And because I waited so long to talk about the original first volume that he did... Like now, the second volume has come out in paperback. Thank God, and my God, it is great. I mean, it's like it's. I mean, I I know that Ellis um, dislikes the fact that um, superheroes have taken over like the graphic novel um, genre to such a degree that it makes it almost impossible for anyone else, anything else to compete. By God, man does does these things so well that you wish he'd do more. And Thunderbolts Volume Two, Caged Angels, is even more proof for that. Because well, the first volume. They did a great job of showing you these um, supervillains um, working working for the government and taking on all these renegade superheroes, or at least that's what they want you to think. Um, volume two basically um, has these has um, the Thunderbolts taking um, um, finding their job a lot easier. Like the the superheroes are now coming in more willing, willingly after they seen after they saw Venom eat a guy's arm on live TV. And they figure it's like, hey, you know what? We're just going to go and we're not going to fight anymore. But it turns out that's part of the plan because it turns out these these particular superheroes that they've been capturing are actually um tele- are actually um telepathic superheroes who are basically like now te- now they they're inside Thunderbolts Mountain. They're using their powers to get get all the members of Thunderbolts to to um basically um destroy themselves and make it so that so that the um, whole operation collapses in on itself. I mean, like listen, the original. The conflicts of um, basically being Norman Osborn as a team leader, then you got um, Moonstone, who basically wants, wants Norman Osborn's job, and then you got the original th- Thunderbolts of Songbird and um, the Radioactive Man trying to um, be true to the original, original concept of these villains trying to redeem themselves. I mean, those 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 scenes are still there, but with this but with this one, though, things are th- things are are much more skewed in the fact that now they've got. All the all the people in the mountain fighting against each other, and it's great, great stuff. Because as these psychics um, work work their ways, I mean, like Nor Nor Osborn goes crazy in great, great, great ways, and it, that allows Ellis to just go play to his strengths as like a deeply cynical superhero writer. I mean, he's got um, Osborn running, and oh, it's like oh, you bastards! I've got to do it, got to do much. I'm a freaking bard to my own heroism. Norman's out to snap, make the girl pregnant, and snap her neck in public. And he's 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 just going going off about how he's got to do he's got to be the green goblin and make every make everyone um, bow to his will. It's great great cynical stuff. If you and it's like all people made points about how the darkening of superheroes like is really a bad thing. Thunderbolts is one of the um, rare rare examples of this of how this has actually worked in a positive direction. Problem is is that um, this is this is the second volume. It's also his last, so um, I'm disappointed that he's not going to be doing more on this. I mean, it's like I'd like to see him do an actual genuine run on this series, as opposed to twelve issues of just him playing to his strengths. But well, did he create the series? No, he didn't. He didn't create the series. But as I mentioned before, basically, this is um, supervillains who have been commissioned by the government to hunt down rogue superheroes 
after Marvel's Civil War um, right. crossover event. Gotcha. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and like I said, he it's basically like it's Ellis is basically um sort of template for the for how Thunderbolts is supposed to act. Um, carrying on after after he's left, so, like it's where right here it's Christos Gage is taking over the series for the um, Secret Invasion crossover now. Now I've heard that's supposed to be all right. They've got Andy Diggle, who's um, done some great work on Hellblazer and Losers, which might be worth checking out. But um, if if I talk about this in later months, then yeah, you'll know it was worth it. If you don't hear from, hear back from me, then you'll know that yeah, don't bother. <laughs> but still, like Thunderbolts, both volumes are well worth your time. Cool. Now, moving on to another update, we have the latest volume of. The Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defe- Defense (BPRD), which I talked about in my um, Hellboy um, podcast a couple, couple months back. Right now, this latest volume, Volume Nine, is subtitled "1946." Now, originally, I wasn't going to buy this volume because it was it was presented as kind of like a spinoff from the main series. Because all the main series is basically um, Mike Mignola um, doing the plotting and writing, John Arcudi um, doing the co-writing. And um, Guy Davis doing the art. You know, that's that's the BPRD BPRD team for me. BPRD 1946 has Mignola doing the plotting and writing, Jocelyn Dysart doing the co-writing, and Paul Asaseta doing the art. I mean, I look at this and I see spin-off. Don't need to buy this. Um, not essential to the main plot. But then um, I see that. Oh wait, they slapped a volume nine on this. So. So the uh, comics buyer in me basically figures, well, this is if they've always if they've gained to name this the next volume of the um, ongoing BPRD series, then I need to buy it. Well, after buying it and reading it, I can say that well, you know, it's something that's bad or anything, but it's not the uh, it's this not the same um, energy uh, the um, of the regular BPRD series that I that I buy mainly because of. Um, more for anything else these days, proves that um, John Arcudi and Guy Davis are really the main reasons you want to buy this series. See, BPRD 1946 basically takes up shortly after um, Hellboy was actually found by the BPRD and um, Trevor, and Professor Trevor Brutenholm. This series basically fo- focuses on um, Professor Brutenholm and him finding out exactly what um, Project Vampire Strum, um, one of the Nazis' um, secret um, occult plans, was actually about. Now, Vampire Shroom was was really um, discussed in the previous Hellboy volume, um, Wake the Devil, as a plot between Hitler and the um, ancient vampire Count Gurdiescu, as a um, plot to um, uh, what was it? Just to make um, super, super soldiers based on using vampire powers. Now, Hitler saw this saw the vampire saw the vampire Gurdiescu and thought, "Dude, this guy's a fucking crazy. We can't do anything from with him." So he basically has um, Gurdiescu. And four of his wives killed, except for the fifth one, who he drained her blood and then used to um, plot his um, plot the um, vampire Strum plan, which is basically super soldiers endowed with vampire blood to take over the take over the world. But if mm-hmm. Germany looked like it was going to lose World War II, then they were to unleash all these super all these um, vampire endowed soldiers on the world, and then and then Trevor Brutenholm finds out about this plan. But the problem is like he he and the BPRD at this point aren't powerful enough to take up take this plan on. Instead, he has to team with the with Russia's um, BPRD counterpart, which is um, which is actually fronted 
by a cute little girl who's actually the um, physical embodiment of a demon um, embodied by um, Peter the... Someone by Peter the Great. Because hmm. apparently Peter um, made a deal with three demons in order to um, achieve his great plan of conquest for Russia. Mm-hmm. And two of, the, two of these demons took his... I think uh, took his life, took his took the souls of his um, of his descendants, and the third one looked at it and thought, "Hey, you know what? This world is actually pretty cool. If you let me stay here, um, I'll go ahead and count our deal even." So now this demon has basically embodied a cute little girl, <laughs> and he's going around like killing killing people for like, just for whatever suits his purpose. Yeah. Now, it's the BPRD um, nineteen forty six. It's it's a decent volume. I mean, it's like to be honest, if it hadn't been vol- labeled volume nine of BPRD, I probably wouldn't have given it a second thought. But as it is, I mean, it's like it's got some, some ni- nice bits. I mean, the overall, the overall plotting is sound, but it doesn't have the the quite the great witty witty ingenuity of the regular BPRD series under um, Mignola and RQD has, and the art by um, Paul Azaceta. I mean, it's it's competent. And he does the supernatural elements well, but it doesn't have the whole, my God, I look at this guy and he can draw anything effect that um, Guy Davis has. I mean, Azaceta, he does it solidly. He doesn't um, make me regret that someone else had drawn it. But as it is, I mean, it's, it's all right. That's what I can say. Hmm. And you also have some nice bits of, of the BPRD staff and Trevor Boutinol fighting um, not... Fighting um, Nazi guerrillas and um, guys in um, spider spider tanks and stuff. It's <laughs> it's good, but when you mean Nazi guerrillas, you're talking about natural guerrillas. Guerrillas, <laughs> yeah, like the, uh, the mammals, not the um, not like freedom, like freedom fighters. fighters. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's. To be honest, like I mean, they they really didn't need this. This if you're reading the um, BPRD series, this isn't an essential part of the series. I mean, to be honest, after Volume 8, Killing Ground left off with um, with um, Captain um, ben- Benjamin Daimyo uh, facing off against the Wendigo, I, mean, I much would, much rather would have um, seen that story continue in Volume 9 than this right here. But as it is, it's a, it's a decent enough story, but if you wanted to um, skip Volume 9 and wait for um, Volume 10, which is going to be the warning, um, by the regular team of, of Magnola, Arcudi, and Davis... Then you're not going to miss all that much. Okay, moving on. It's like we got a little piece of history right here, and it's a little piece of history that actually involves Batman. Batman. Yes. Batman. Yeah, because for the past couple of weeks, um, at, at my regular job, which I work for, um, Bitter and Bitter, I I meet I, one of the guys, one of the guys at my work. He's been talking about Grendel, um, the the villainous creation by Matt Wagner. It's a criminal mastermind. Who's gone on? Who is um, one of the great creator-owned series of the '80s and the '90s? Mm-hmm. And um, this buddy of mine, he's been talking talking about Grendel for the past couple weeks, and I figure, and like, it's I rarely get um, recommendations from my friends about what comics to read, so I figure like, yeah, that's interesting. And he tells me that the Batman Grendel comic, comic crossover is one of the best uh, crossovers you'll read because it's actually a nice. It's just it's a good um, combination of. Um, it's a good crossover of um, of material right here because Grendel is a criminal mastermind. He's basically a a great a villainous creation who's basically trying to trying to seize control of the New York underworld in his own creator universe. And to have him cross over with Batman, who fights these kind of creatures, it's a great it's a great concept right there. In fact, 
the original Batman Grand Oak crossover was the first time the creator owned character had crossed over with a you know, company owned character like Batman. Mm. And the Batman Grand Oak, Batman Grand Oak collection that I have here collects the two um, collections that two, two crossovers that, that Matt Wagner did. The first being with um, his original Hunter Rose um, incarnation of Grendel. Second being the um, Grendel Prime crossover, Grendel Prime character um, fighting against Batman. Now, I'll say this: the first, the first crossover with Hunter Rose, great, great stuff. Cause it's, it's, it's very dense, very dense, um, interesting cro- crossover. That has that has Hunter Rose just basically feeling very bored with his. At this time as a criminal mastermind, she, hey, you know what? I remember this guy in Gotham, Batman. Yeah, he's not like a great guy to match wits against. Right. I'll go and fight him. Mm-hmm. So you, hear, you have him going, matching wits against Batman, uh, posing, having him posing as the Riddler, mm-hmm. um, just leading him cryptic kids against Batman. Now, Batman realizes that, you know, the way the Riddler, way the Riddler does this, does this you know, this, that's not the Riddler style. You know, there's something right. else going on here. Right. And it's fun seeing seeing Hunter Hunter Rose pose as the Riddler and and lead Batman on in this chase and having him fight against um, Gotham's finest. Did they ever uh, they ever uncover if the real Riddler is someplace? Originally, um, Wagner talks about how the the real Riddler was originally supposed to play a much bigger part in this crossover uh-huh. than he originally planned. But as it is, it turns out it wasn't necessary because the original because having Having Hunter Rose pose as the Riddler turned out to be uh, much more entertaining than actually bringing the Riddler himself. So it's like, don't answer that. Don't ask that question. Right. <laughs> it's a it's a good it's a good crossover. It's a, it's a very very dense, very like very layered layered um, um, battle of wits between Bat- Batman and Grendel. That also involves two two women. One one who is the um, who is forced to act as um, Hunter Rose's editor because Hunter Rose is actually a well, or respected author in the real world because no one knows he's Grendel. Mm-hmm. Then another one who is basically working as a um, as a museum curator to the um, to the art to the artifacts that um, Hunter Rose wants to deface because the um, the head of the Sphinx is brought in to Gotham City um, for restoration, and, now, and Hunter Rose is based as Grendel. As you said, he this is his target. He wants to um, deface the face of the Sphinx to. Um, Basically, um, bear his mark as Grendel as part of this great crime. Right. Now it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and that's like reading these first two these first two issues. It's seeing Hunter Rose match wits against Batman. It's it's a lot of fun. It's like you can see why this why this is very well respected for its time. Now the second half, which involves um, Grendel Prime, mm-hmm. like forty years later, um, being now. Oh, let me back up for a second. Grendel Prime. From what I understand, it's like I haven't read any of his stories yet. Beyond this, he is basically a far, far future um, incarnation of Grendel, who serves as paladin to this, to this future, to this future incarnation of Grendel. It's, okay. it's, it's complex, mm-hmm. but for lack of a better term, basically, it's the second um, Batman Grendel crossover is the Batman versus Terminator. Right. Now, when I say Terminator, I mean yes, Batman is actually facing off of it against a physically superior. Actual robot incarnation of his, of this person. Uh-huh. That's what that's what um, Grendel Prime is. He's a cyborg, and he's basically after he's sent back in time, he finds out that Hunter Rose's bones are being shown off to him, Gotham in this um, exhibit, this art exhibition of focusing on the evil, 
I many villains of Gotham right. that have plagued the town forever. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> his bones. <laughs> yes, his bones. Yeah, it's, 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 a decent, it's, it's a decent enough crossover. But the second volume, it's basically like, you look at it you think, ah, it's basically Batman versus Terminator. Yeah. And it's not the, necessarily badly written or badly illustrated, but it, it lacks the, um, the densest or the, um, the appropriate fitting that, um, Bat- that Batman vs. Hunter Rose had. Like, Batman vs. Um, Grinnell Prime, I mean, you could have swapped out, um, you could have swapped out Prime for, um, Schwarzenegger's Terminator, and there wouldn't really have been, um, all that much difference. Sure. Yeah. In fact, to be honest, like, well, I know that Batman has faced off against the aliens twice, and Predator three times in comics. Mm-hmm. He hasn't actually faced off against the Terminator. Until so. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like, look at this, it's not bad. But overall, Batman Gren- and Grendel on paperback, it's it's not a bad, it's not a bad buy, I'll admit. I mean, it's like, honestly, I'm, like, reading the original um, Grendel stuff by Matt Wagner is more interesting. But, like, so this, in terms of crossover stuff, this is like, I'll admit, it's it's cut above most other stuff you, you'll read. Okay. So I'll admit that. Um, Batman versus um, Predator, that's actually good readings, too. <laughs> The original miniseries, anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on that note, I will be calling a week. And hope, hopefully next week I'll have even more interesting stuff to talk about. Because maybe um, I come back to comic shop will actually get more. Um, get all the stuff I've ordered um, for the past couple weeks in. And then we'll see how it goes. Cool. Until then, see you later. Night.